This is PhotoBizX, episode number 525, and today we are talking with a photographer who is based in rural Australia. She's servicing a very sparse population. All the odds are against her, but her work is fantastic and she's making a success of things. I'm talking about Michelle Wrighton of Three Red Ponies, and that interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here, host of the Photo Biz X podcast, where I interview guests from around the world to help you build a better photography business, even faster than going it alone. I'm coming to you from Girona in Spain today, and I do have to warn you, I am staying in a little Airbnb opposite the train line. There are churches, amazing, incredible churches nearby, and there is a tendency for the church bells to start ringing anytime I try and talk on the phone or record something. So be aware that may happen during this recording and that's what that noise is, all those noises are. Now in regards to today's episode with Michelle Wright, and I know you're going to love this one, I didn't say in the intro that Michelle does specialise in pets, uh, primarily horses and dogs for the rural or farm community in Western Australia. But like so many of these interviews, the things that she shares will be applicable to you and your photography business, whether or not you photograph weddings, portraits, pets, babies. There are so many things that she's doing and that she shared in this interview that I know will be helpful for you and your photography business. Before we do get into that, if you didn't catch last week's episode, well, you had to be a premium member to catch last week's episode. It was a members-only episode with Sam Gilmore I invited Sam back onto the podcast after having him on a couple of years ago. Sam was a photographer who, I don't know if lost is the right word, but he he was scrambling to find the right photography genre to suit him, his lifestyle and his family. He tried a number of different things. I was working with him personally. And then he discovered kindergarten photography or kindy photography, purchased Elena Blair's school course and has not looked back since. So I asked Sam to come back on and share an update on how things are going. And yeah, if you heard that interview, you'll hear that things are going from success to success. He really is happy with his chosen genre. He's settled now. And because of that, and this is why I think it could be applicable to you and your business, because he now has that single focus knows what he's doing, knows what he needs to do, isn't getting pulled in all different directions like the shiny object syndrome we hear so much about. He's able to focus and he's now making a great success of his business. So get back and have a listen to that one if you are a premium member. If you're not, you can sign up for a dollar with a 30-day trial membership and check that out over at photobizx.com forward slash try. Now, talking about success stories, I wanted to share this email I received from Joe Faidi a week or so ago. Now, interestingly, Joe is not a photographer. He runs a forklift repair business, <laughs> nothing to do with photography at all. I don't know or I don't remember how he originally discovered the podcast, but he's been listening for years. Anyway, let me, let me read the email. He says, well, it's been a year since I started my business. I'm a long-time listener, and thanks to your podcast, I got the nerve to start my forklift repair business and I was updating you on my progress. I serviced 20 companies with a total of 200 forklifts 
Most of my customers came with me when I left my former employer and the rest have been made by word of mouth. We, me and my wife, I fix the trucks and she does the billing, grossed $213,000 in our first year. Thanks again for your podcast, Joe Faidi. How cool is that? So Joe is not a photographer. He listens to the podcast. He implements some of the things that he hears and applies them to his forklift business and uh, as a result has gone out on his own and has a successful business with his wife. Just amazing. So yeah, the stuff that we share here on the podcast can be applicable to any small business by the sound of things, which is just awesome. You're listening to Photo Biz Exposed with your host, Andrew Helmich. Okay, we are going to jump into this interview with Michelle in just a second. If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, what that means is you won't hear the full interview today with Michelle. I am saving a large portion of the second half for premium members only. The good news, if you want to access that full interview, you can do that for as little as $1 with a 30-day trial membership. There are more details about that over at photobizx.com forward slash try. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. I'm stepping gently into this interview because I don't think it's going to be one of those huge success story episodes where the guest has struck gold with their business and is absolutely killing it. I do believe, however, that's where this photographer and her business are headed. She's based in Boyup Brook in Western Australia. It's 150 kilometres inland from the coast with a population of only 1,000. And her closest town is 30 kilometres away with a population of 5,000. And she has a three and a half kilometre dirt driveway to get to her home base studio. (laughs) So she knows she's up against it just based on her location alone. But if you take one look at her website, you'll see this is someone serious about business. Not only is the site beautifully laid out with stunning images of horses and dogs, her specialty, plus... She offers fabulous painted portraits. You'll also see multiple options of wall art collections on display, promotions for a limited edition book and a breed of the month competition. And if you dig deeper, you'll also find an active Facebook ad campaign. From what I can see, everything is pointing to a successful business and I can't wait to learn more about this remote and isolated photographer and how things are going after all the work she's putting in. I'm talking about Michelle Wrighton, of three red ponies, and I am wrapped to have her with us now. Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> Good to be here. <laughs> what do you think when you hear that intro? Um, it sounds about right, actually. It's, uh, it's not been easy. I never seem to take the easy path. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, like, why even start a photography business based where you are? I mean, because it sounds like just your location alone means you're going to be up against it. Uh, definitely. Um, when I started about 20 years ago, I was actually in Perth and the photography came from, um, I actually did pet portraits, paintings and drawings. And the photography came from that, wanting to actually get the reference photos because one's, most clients provided were pretty bad. Um, but we moved down here in 2009. And when we moved down here, I was actually doing horse event photography. So I was traveling for that uh, and the portraits sort of was um, an add-on. Most of my work was actual horse event photography, which are not all around me. I have to travel, had to travel for them anyway. But there's not a lot of money in that and it's a lot of time and effort. Uh, so, yeah, eventually I just changed over to just doing portrait work, which is it's where my heart lies anyway. 
<laughs> yeah, sure. So are you actually a painter, like an artist? Yes. That's your main background. That led you to photography so you can actually have good portraits to paint from. Yes, exactly. So I work in oils, acrylics, pastels, colour pencils, charcoal, everything, and digital. I also work in digital. <laughs> but, yeah, that's how the doing photography as a business came into it. Right. And are you still doing the art side of things now? I mean, I can see you have painted portraits on your website. Like, is that something you're doing regularly or is that just a a once in a blue moon thing? Now, at the moment now, it's once in a blue moon because I've been focusing on, since we started opening the studio here last October, I've been focusing on photography. Prior to that, it was more, um, definitely more regular and like photography certain times a year, like before Christmas, um, Mother's Day, always get, you know, bookings come in for then. But I'm not actually actively promoting that at the moment because the photography is taking up all my time. God, okay. So tell me, why did you make the move to, is it Boyup Brook? Am I saying that correctly? Yes, Boyup Brook. My husband had a really bad uh, life-threatening illness. He had to retire from working very early uh, in his late, he was 37, I think. Uh, and it was just a tree change to have a better life, basically. And has it been that way? Has it been a better life? Absolutely. In a lot of ways it has. Um, His health deteriorated terribly. It was very, very stressful and traumatic for the whole family. So that's sort of the business has always taken a backseat to, you know, dealing with those health issues. But he's better than he was, but he'll never, you know, be 100%. So for us living in the country, trying to have as stress-free life as possible is what's important. (laughs) So when you made the move then to Boy at Brook, is that so you can free up you know have less bills and have more uh, income available to you guys and like do you need to do the photography yeah i do as in it just gives us that little bit extra to you know for we've got horses (laughs) (laughs) right say no more (laughs) so yeah (laughs) they cost a fortune they do but they're part of the lifestyle and part of you know for us you put your focus with what's important so we don't have holidays because we live on a farm and have so many animals (laughs) but every day you know, it's a lot of work, but it's uh, it's definitely a better lifestyle than a nine to five in the city. For sure. So, tell me about the actual place where you live. I mean, are you on a property? Do you have neighbours? Yes, we're on forty three acres, and our closest next door neighbour is a three thousand acre farm. So, we're very rural. Right. So you can't walk next door to see your neighbour. I actually could, cause just because of where our houses are. Their house is about a kilometre, about 800 metres from our house. But, yeah, we're surrounded by fairly big farms. Right, okay. And then so when you first moved there and you had the photography business, you were actually travelling to your clients, weren't you? Yes, and I was travelling from here a lot up to Perth for, for both events and also the private sessions. And I've done some commercial work as well for horse businesses. Um, and I also do some commercial work for rural businesses around here, more closer down here. Right. So what was that round trip like to Perth and back in the session? <laughs> well, it's usually it's an overnight stay because it's three hours there and three hours back. So <laughs> I don't tend to um, do – I don't promote in Perth at all. I do get inquiries from there and I do get some commercial work still in Perth. But at the moment I'm only marketing locally sort of – a about it's 150 kilometre radius from where I am is where my clients seem to be coming from. So that's what I'm focusing on. And at the moment, I'm not having to travel. They're all coming to me. Right. Oh, they're coming to you because so you've got the on-site studio now. Yes. Well, we always had the building, but last year we decided to turn it into a studio and 
just see what would happen. And, yeah, I didn't expect people would travel so far, but they do. We've got quite often they travel an hour and a half, two hours for their session. A lot of them do come back for their ordering appointment. Otherwise, I do that by Zoom. Right. And are they coming with dogs or with horses or both? All dogs at the moment, although most of them have horses. With horses, you've got a very short time during the year when we can actually do portraits, really, because of their coats. So winter's not much good. Summer gets too hot. So it's really in spring and autumn that we do the horse portraits. And I can they can come here. We've got plenty of room. You know, if someone's got a pet cow, they can bring a pet cow here. <laughs> we can accommodate that. But so far it's all been dogs and a couple of cats and a parrot. A par- and wow. A parrot. <laughs> wow. So when you decided to... You know, keep running the photography business in Boyet Brook and even bring the clients to you instead of you going out to them. Did you do like an analysis of whether that will be successful or not before spending money on the studio? Or did you just say, let's just try this? Like, how did that play out? I did. What I actually did to start with is I thought, okay, down here, I know people regularly travel an hour to an hour and a half for most things that we want to do. It's just part of life. So I looked at the towns that were in that radius and I went and had a look at the populations of those towns and it worked out like within an hour and a half radius there's about 80 or 90,000 people. Okay that's pretty good. And I figured that because I don't want to be you know full time like full time for me is usually sort of one a week um, probably no more than five a month and I figured that was that's a big enough population of pet people that I should be able to do something with it. So we were conscious of the fact that it was a bit of a risk. So we were careful with how much we spent getting everything set up with the studio. We had The building was in place, but there was a lot of things we had to do. There's always money that has to go into it to get anything sort of set up. So we've done it in stages and we've still got, you know, a few stages to go. But, yeah, it was definitely testing and doing some research to make sure that um, <laughs> I wasn't going to get myself into too much of a financial hole over it. <laughs> <laughs> and so far, what are the signs looking like? So far, it's really has blown my mind. I didn't expect to be so busy and have so many bookings. So my average sale is $1,200, and that's after they all pretty much all come in on a breed of the month, so they get a studio credit as well as the free session. And that studio credit's either 150 bucks or 200 bucks, depends if they're a winner or a runner-up. So that average of $1,200, that's actually after the credit. So that's the actual dollars that I get. My lowest sale was only $120, which still covered my cost for the prints that, that she got. And my highest sale was $3,700 a couple of weeks ago. Fantastic. So good. So let me take you to the lowest sale quickly. Yep. Did that person, did they travel a long way for that session and then only spend 120 Yeah, she was about an hour and a half travel. Wow. Um, she was a young girl and she actually had really pushed what she could afford to spend. Right. So that was her upper limit. That was her upper limit, yep. Right. So just tell me a little bit more about her. So that she came in, she knew that she was going to want more and wasn't going to be able to afford it. So why did she come for the session? She Part of it was she wanted the experience and... Yeah, I know she was um, She was upset that she couldn't buy more, but she was certainly, she wasn't like annoyed at my prices or anything because they get my prices like five times from when they actually enter the competition. 
they're given a link to the page to say, well, this is what prices start at. Um, they get all my price list all the way through. And that was just all she could afford at the time. But she does has indicated that she wants to come back for another session that she's saving for. She wants to bring her other dog and her horse. So, And she's actually been really good about um, marketing, telling people about me. So, How good's that? Yeah. So good. So did you know before you booked her in that she probably wasn't going to be spending much? I didn't think she would. Not. I didn't think she'd be a big spender. But it's all numbers, isn't it? It's You get some, like... <laughs> I didn't think the one that spent $3,700 was going to spend that much either. So <laughs> so, so tell me about that client. What did they take home at the end of the day? Uh, they was four, three or four canvas collections. So there was one, I think there was a six-piece of 12-inch canvases and a couple of bigger, much bigger three-piece canvases. And because of the amount, I actually have given them the digital files as well. Right, okay, love it. Love it. So I imagine then like being as remote as you are, like, do you drop ship? Do the images, the finished artwork come to you and then they come back again for a third time? It's a bit of both. There, it's, yeah, some of them, um, I don't like posting them out to them because of the risk of damage. So if it's somewhere I'm going, I will deliver it or they'll pick it up. So it's, yeah, the three. But I definitely prefer it if they pick it up or I drop it to them. Right. So they might actually be making three one-and-a-half-hour trips for a photo session. People do, yeah, and I give them the option. You know, for obviously for a high sale, I'm more inclined to be able to drop it off to them. But yeah, I do give them the option. Most people like coming back here. Yeah, oh, so you got a beautiful property. So I don't see any photos of your property on your website. Are they there? There should be one. <laughs> I do need to put some more, and I have got so much marketing material prepared that's actually not in use at the moment like I've got video walkthroughs um, of both the property and and inside the studio all that stuff that all your podcasts teach us <laughs> I've got it all there I just haven't had the time to put it all together and be using it properly fair enough I mean your website is already amazing and I can see there's prices on your website as well yeah are people blown away when they see your website I imagine I don't know, but I imagine you don't have much competition in your local area as far as photographers go. No, I don't really. There's a few. They're mostly not IPS. Um, Are you trying to be nice about how you describe them? Yeah, I am. (laughs) Isn't it shoot and share, what we call it nowadays? Yeah, shoot and share. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's not a lot of competition, which is good. And as a pet photographer, there's even less. And I think as far as I've been able to find, there's no other pet photographer who has a studio and an outdoor studio setting like I've got. So that's very unique. I believe there is one in Perth, but they are a family photographer that also does pets rather than being a dedicated pet photographer. So it's possible I'm the only one in WA who's got this kind of setup. So my clients get the studio as well as the outdoor photos as part of the package which I really seem to enjoy yeah I can imagine what do you hear from your clients when they first get in touch with you because I imagine they go to your website or they look at your Facebook page what do you hear from them most people are a little bit concerned that I won't be able to get the same type of photos of their dog because <laughs> everyone thinks their dog's you know a little bit more naughty than the average but I work with all sorts we've got four border collies ourselves they're all inside dogs so I'm used to high energy 
<laughs> dogs that get distracted very easily. And yeah, I just work with any animal really. Do they ever talk about your actual photography, like on the website? Do they? Because I imagine if you're the only photographer doing this kind of work and the standard that you have on your website, I just imagine people would be thinking, oh my God, this is amazing. I would love to have photos like these. Like, are you hearing that from clients? Yes. Yeah, I do hear that. And when I do um, the pre-session concert on the phone, I always ask, have you seen my website to make sure that they've they've seen the product photos and the prices and everything. And most of them say, yes, they spent a lot of time hanging out on the website looking at all the photos. Yeah, so it does seem to, the website does seem to be a very important part of the marketing. Awesome. Okay, I want to ask you about your Breed of the Month competition, but just let me ask you about your, first of all, your painted portraits, because they look amazing to me. Do you get inquiries about those? And if you do, why aren't people getting those? I do get inquiries about them. And for my portrait, my photography clients, I don't even have a sample in the studio at the moment of that. And I haven't even mentioned it to any photography client. I know it's ridiculous, but in some coaching I got at the end of last year, I was very strongly advised to increase the price of those paintings by an awful lot of money. <laughs> and so there's just a little bit of, uh, I, yeah, I'm not, I haven't been publishing, but pushing them at all because of the price that I've now got on them. Okay, give me an example of what was the price and what is the price now? Well, when I was doing it and I like I just advertised on Facebook and anyone could send me a photo of their own, it'd be looking at point five hundred to fifteen hundred depending on, on the size or if it was, you know, one or two or three pets. But now one starts at twenty five hundred dollars. I mean I look at them and I think that's where it should be. I mean I can imagine there's a lot of work that goes into these. There is. Because my original training is in traditional art, so like I said, oils, pastels and everything. So I do these, digi- I paint them digitally to start with, then I have them printed and then I actually paint acrylics and gels on top. So they have got the texture and the appearance that they've been fully painted, but because they don't take anywhere near as long. If, if I did an oil painting, it would take me six months to do an oil painting like this. So it saves, it cuts the time down <laughs> and makes it a lot cheaper, to be honest. Right. I'm on your painted portraits page and say if I look at the, there's a full length shot of a, a beautiful horse. Uh, it's got sort of uh, white socks on its front. Yep. Yep. So, and it's in a canter or a trot or something. Yep. I don't know that much about horses. So something like that, how long would that take to create? Over a month, just four to six weeks. It is fairly time consuming. A uh, number of hours, probably around about 20 to 30 hours plus the time for the paints and the gels and everything uh, to dry. Right. So that really, that has to be minimum two and a half, yeah. three thousand yeah. dollars Minimum. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So that photo of that particular horse I'm looking at, did you take that photo yes. as well or did they come? Yeah. Right. So that's why you had to become a good photographer to create. Yes. Right. So you get a great photo and then you take it into Corel Draw. I used to use Corel, uh, Bob Painter. But now I actually do it in Photoshop because Photoshop's painting ability, in my mind, has actually surpassed Painter now. I do use both, but I prefer Photoshop now. Okay, so then it goes into Photoshop and then you get that painterly look, then you have it printed. Yes. On what kind of paper, what kind of stock? It does depend on what the client's ordered, but you, I prefer to do on canvas. Otherwise, it will be on a cotton rag. If, it, if they just want it framed straight up, 
then it will be printed onto a cotton rag and framed professionally. But for me to actually embellish the paint on top, I do that on the canvas prints. Right, okay. So you take it into Photoshop, you get it printed onto canvas, that comes to you, and then it, you actually frame it up on a – you mount it, and then you start painting? No, I actually have it – I get it – it's on a gallery-wrapped canvas. I always get them. So it's all, all professionally done, and then I embellish with paints and gels further. Amazing. It's incredible work. I mean, you are super talented. Oh, thank you. I can't believe people aren't ordering more of those at those prices. But it sounds to me it's more like a mindset thing with you than the clients. It's very much a mindset. And I don't have a sample. I don't have a sample in my studio. And like I said, like we've been building up in stages with the studio since October. And I've I've actually got to order another heap of studio samples and I've got to do a painting because you can't sell what you don't show absolutely and I think that's the only reason that I haven't sold any paintings is because I haven't actually even mentioned it to a photography client not yet fair enough well I reckon when we hear from you in the future you're going to be selling lots and lots of those as soon as you get that sample out there you start uh, getting comfortable with those prices I mean I I can see people paying Five, six, seven, ten thousand dollars for those. They're incredible. That's what I was told that I need to put that's the price tag I need to put on yes. them. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Who told you that? A Corinda Kinsler from Corinda Kane. She's a horse photographer and she's a business coach as well. Right. Well you need to listen to her for sure. <laughs> she knows what she's talking about. <laughs> so tell me about the book project Southwest Tales. Yes. Is that something that's finished, it's still running? No, that's still running. That's this year's project and that's studio-based, um, so just indoor studio photos. And I've also joined the Tales of the World, so that's outdoor location-based. So that's actually going to – I'm doing that first. I've got to do those shoots first. Tales of the World. Yes, and that's the one that Channel 7 came out and did an interview here for. Yeah, okay, I'm going to ask you about that. So you sign up for Tales of the World. Is That's with Caitlin McColl? Yes, Yes. Right. So does she take a cut or is it all for you? Like how does that work? No, she doesn't take a cut. You pay the fee to be part of it, which I think that goes to help cover the actual production of the book, the printing of the book at the end of it. And then she gives you some information and assistance with like the marketing side of things. And then, yeah, we go off and I've like I've uh, started advertising for my 10 people and what I'm I'm actually interviewing them, like asking them questions rather than just being a straight, you know, who anyone can apply. I'm hoping to be able to narrow it down to the ones that are likely to actually buy um, some more at the end of it, mainly because I'm so low volume. I do have to stack the odds in my favour to be making a bit of money from it. Uh, But at the end of the day, the whole idea is to raise awareness and funds for charity. So that's you know, ultimately why I'm doing both books and I've, I've partnered with the same charity for the donations for both of them. So with those, that they run like any other promo that listeners would have heard on the Photo BizX podcast where you get someone in, they're going to have a photo of their dog appear in the book, Tales of the World or your book, yep. and then you upsell additional prints and yes. products afterwards. Yeah, it's exactly the same as what everyone else is doing with those. Right, okay. And then, so how does that go down in the country areas? Does it, are people like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Like, they know they're going to be like wanting to purchase more afterwards? Yes, and like I make it clear that that's going to be available to them. I don't want anyone to go – I don't want to have any of the negativity that I've heard other people have with various promotions and things like that. I just don't want to deal with that stress. So I'm very upfront with, you know, 
this is what you get, but you may want to buy more um, because you're going to love your photos. And so that's why I always put my prices in as well because i just rather people not book with me than you never know who's going to turn into that horror story. <laughs> Absolutely. So you have Tales of the World going, you've got your Breed of the Month going, and I guess you've got general inquiries. Yes. So like, do you have to decipher when the phone rings or you get an email or you know where it's coming from and what it's about if there's an inquiry for a session? I keep my phone number off my website now because I was getting like 30 phone calls, just scam phone calls a day. So like most people, I don't answer my phone if I don't know who it's from. (laughs) And if they don't leave a message, I don't call back. So I get everything from email. Through your contact forms? All my contact forms is email. My breeder month, when the entries come through, so that's email. So I don't actually speak to them. Uh, It's all done automatically. So they book their form, they book their session, they pay their date holding fee. So they charge a $50 date holding fee. And then the first time I speak to them is their pre-planning session. God, okay. So if someone calls about the Breed of the Month competition, or email, sorry, about the Breed of the Month competition, yeah. and you're also running Tales of the World, do you tell them about Tales of the World or you just don't even bring it up? At the moment, I don't even bring it up because if I advertise for Breed of the Month, they filled in their entry form, which gives the information you know, some of the information I need that that helps me pick who I want to win, basically. And then I notify them by text and email to say that they've won. And then I send them a link and they book it in. So it's all very streamlined. Okay. All right. So I can can see how that's working for Breed of the Month. How are you advertising Tales of the World or aren't you? Um, I've been really sick. I've had the flu for two weeks. And then like since Easter, I've just, I've lost like six weeks. (laughs) So everything was going really well. It's just all fallen in a heap because I got so sick. And I only advertise one at a time. So I know where the inquiries are are really coming from. And that's the only way I can really sort of, I do have, we have a CRM, so it's all, everything's managed in that respect, but to try and keep everything, keep my sanity, I don't do everything at once. Yeah, And I think that would be overloading my audience as well. Sure. Yeah, because you're targeting that pretty small area, aren't you? Yes, yeah. Why are you as low volume as you are? I mean, you described yourself as low volume. You said earlier that you only want to be shooting really one a week, maybe five a month. Why is that? Like, why aren't you aiming for 30 a month? Because I want a life. (laughs) (laughs) I'm 53. I don't want to be working full time, like, you know, all day, every day. So do you feel guilty saying that or do you feel comfortable saying that? Um. But a bit of both because, you know, I've been in business a long time and I've never been what I consider successful because successful to me is that six-figure mark. And I have come to the realisation that I don't actually want the work that comes with that six-figure mark. So then wouldn't you be successful doing what you're doing? Um, I would be. There's definitely, you know, the, the income can always be better. And I I do feel now that with the studio, much to my surprise, that, I will reach my income goals uh, next year, I would say, and still be able to have that really good work-life balance that I want. It's just it's taken a lot longer than I had expected it would. And the fact that we've actually, you know, that a studio here on our farms, what's made the difference is, is quite interesting. Well, that's, that's giving you most of your life back, hasn't it? I mean, you're not doing those overnight trips and seven-hour yeah, drives. Yeah, and it's amazing. And I do get people inquiring about me travelling, and I was like, well, no, I'm not really keen to do that anymore because I'm I'm getting all the clients so far that I want and need coming to me. 
if that runs out, then I'll start travelling again, I guess. But for the moment. So what I have seen and also heard from photographers is that when they don't want to be too busy, you know, it's easy to say no to jobs and bring in the amount of shoots that you want to do. But then you find yourself just doing stuff that you don't need to do. You just stay busy for the sake of being busy. Do you find that or do you just go out on the farm and not get yourself tied up with doing stuff that doesn't need to be done? No, I do get tied it down to the stuff that I shouldn't be doing. I've also, the last three months, um, my Facebook profile was hacked, uh, which caused huge, when you've got a business on Facebook, it's terrible when something like that happens and that's wasted literally three months of my life trying to deal with it because they hacked my PayPal and credit cards. And, oh, gosh. Um, I'm still, I've just got my original profile back oh, a couple of days ago, but, like, I can't post in groups now. So it's just like a, and that's how I do my marketing is I do some paid ads, but I post uh, in local community groups um, each month for the breed of the month. And at the moment I can't post in any groups at all. <laughs> so What a nightmare. Yeah, it is. So am I assuming correctly that you would have had the same password and username for your PayPal account that you did for your Facebook? No, we're not really sure. Well, the reason they got into my PayPal is that my Facebook ads was paid through PayPal because I thought that gave me an extra level of security. They hacked my profile. They got in and they kicked me out of it. Lucky I had another admin or two other admins on my Facebook page. So we were able to get me put back onto my Facebook page straight away. Um, I, we've only just because just got the, the old profile back, so I've been able to see the back end with the ads manager. They did multiple different credit card transactions that were rejected and then passed with, I assume, stolen credit cards, and then they hit my card that was actually attached to it. Um, Facebook denies any liability to this, even though I can see you know, the transactions in my ads manager. And then in PayPal, I don't know how they got into PayPal other than the two are connected. And, yeah, it was a $320 payment came through payment. It was for Facebook ads that weren't mine through PayPal. And then they turned on all these payments, the one-off payments. They made them all recurring payments, (laughs) like just to be, I don't know, painful or something. I don't know, but it's just. What a nightmare. It's been a nightmare, absolutely. Wow. So at the end of the day, are you covered by the bank and PayPal? Like, were you out of pocket? Um, no. Well, I rang the bank straight away. My bank messed up. I guaranteed that it wouldn't come out of my account, but then it did. So they were like, oh, right, we're in the wrong here. So they fixed that up straight away. And PayPal were pretty good. It just took about a week to go through and say, well, no, here's my claim with my bank. And then I had to put in a claim with a small business ombudsman to try and contact Facebook on my behalf. And I what assume, a nightmare. Yeah, it is, it's just been, it's been terrible. And when you create a new Facebook profile, you can't join Facebook groups because you've owned your new account and just all sorts of things. So, wow. Well, let me change <laughs> the subject and bring it to something better. these pet of the month competition or the breed of the month, sorry, they sound like they're working really well for you. Give me an idea and the listener an idea how that actually works. Well, I just pick a breed that I want to feature for the month. I have a form that they fill in, um, which gives me some information, like the standard questions. Why does your dog deserve to win? What's so great about them? You know, what would you do? Where would you hang your artwork in your home? Um, You have a question, you know, have you seen the prices basically? (laughs) 
So I get the entries in for that and then I choose three or four a month to win. There's usually one winner and they get the shoot $200 and $200 studio credit towards whatever products they want Um, and I give them a five by seven matted print as well because I don't need the stress of anyone saying it's a dodgy competition or anything like that. So they get a print and they get enough, the money that they win, the studio credit, is enough to buy at least one print, a matted print. And then it leaves a little bit left over as well, does it? Yes, there's always a little bit left over. (laughs) So people fill out the questionnaire that have that particular breed, so they're trying to win this $400 worth of photography with you. So how do you pick the winners? I have questions that help me narrow it down. You know, what products would you like to put your the amount to and where would you hang the artwork? And I also ask them now, you know, are they interested in a runner-up prize or just the main prize? And so that sort of helps me narrow it down. And so far it's working. Okay, so you actually handpick the winners. I do, yeah. Yep, nice, nice. So Okay, so you notify the winner. Yep. Let's say I'm the winner. What happens if you send me a message or an email? Premium members of PhotoBiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. Right. You really are the entrepreneur. That is just so good. Michelle, let me just ask you quickly two, two quick things because I really wanted to share these with the listener. Well, one of them that you alluded to in a message to me is you almost gave up. Like you closed everything down. Yes, I did because I had a lot of health issues and I couldn't uh, with my knee and my feet. I couldn't do anything. The horse and dog photography is like lots of kneeling and walking and everything. And I nearly just completely gave up. And then I accidentally got kicked out of PhotoBizX, the private group. And I was like, then my FOMO really kicked in. I was like, oh, no, I'm going to miss out on something. <laughs> that was last year. I can't remember if it was like mid-year. And I was like, no, 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 okay, maybe I don't want to um, give up just yet. And that's when I came up with the idea of turning the cottage on our farm into the studio. And, yeah, we opened it in October. And wow. So did you hear an interview or did you see something in the group that made you think, I'm going to do this? Um, no, I actually can't. I don't know. I think it was just like it hit me like a bolt out of the blue because I have always said I don't want people coming on the farm. I'm a very private person. I had had people say, oh, you've got a lovely property. Why don't you have people come? Yeah, and I was like, no, I don't have clients here. But you changed it, Jen. You can change. Like, I don't know what changed, and now I, I'm like, why didn't I do this before? Yeah, wow. That's so good. I'm, I'm so glad you did, and it's so good to hear how successful things have been. Thank you. Um, just tell me quickly, shopping. Like, <laughs> where do you go grocery shopping? Like, You can't just duck down to the shop, can you? We do have an IGA. It's small. How far away? Oh, it's about 10 kilometres. Oh, it's not too bad. Okay. Yeah, it's not too bad. Um, the closest Coles is 70 kilometres. 70 k. So can you do like a click and collect or get delivery? No, not from where we are, but it's, you know, 70 kilometres. It's a long way. So we It try- is. <laughs> we try to only go, you know, once every six weeks and we just do our, you know, local shopping here at IGA. Yeah, wow. So you, you would do a big stock up then every six weeks when you go to Coles? Yeah, if we go when we go to the bigger cities, um, yeah, it's always an expensive trip. <laughs> Fill the car up with everything. <laughs> and where is that? What town is that? One's Manjima and the other one's Bunbury. Manjima, oh, so good. 
Uh, look, Michelle, it's, it's been so good to talk to you. I'm so glad that we had that, uh, that exchange on Messenger and I dug a little bit deeper and, um, and you said yes to coming on and sharing what you've been up to. You've been amazing and massive congrats on what you've achieved so far. I can't wait to get updates and hear how things play out. I'm, I'm sure this is going to be a huge success and um, I'm really looking forward to hearing how the online store goes as well and, and everything else you're doing. You really are amazing, so thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Andrew. It's been a lot of fun. Alrighty, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Michelle as much as I did. Michelle, if you are listening, again, massive congrats on your success. I love that you are sticking it out, that you gave it another try and just look at where you are now. I hope you do take a second to stop and reflect and see just how far you've come because, uh, yeah, amazing. And thank you again so much for coming on and sharing what you did. For you, the listener, there had to be a ton of takeaways following that interview with Michelle. I'd love to hear about them. I know Michelle would too. If you have a follow-up question for Michelle, you can hit her up in the comments area of the show notes. This week, they're at photobizx.com forward slash 525. Now, in those show notes, I've got links to anything and everything that Michelle mentioned. I've got examples of her fantastic work, including that amazing photo that I referenced and made the mistake of assuming it was a male cowboy or farmer when, in fact, it was a female. Anyway, you have a look. <laughs> you decide if I was uh, way off the mark there with my assumption uh, or if it was an easy mistake to make. Uh, yeah, I've got examples of her other work as well, including her painted portraits, and there's a comments area at the very bottom if you do have a follow-up question. And of course, if you are a premium member, Michelle is a premium member too, so you have easy access to her there inside the members' Facebook group. If you have a follow-up question, if you just want to say congrats or thanks for sharing, I know that she'd love to hear and read those messages too. Alrighty, that is just about going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. I can't believe we have gotten through this far without hearing any church bells. If you come to Girona or you know Girona at all, you'll know that is pretty amazing. Uh, as other churches here, I think I mentioned earlier or in an earlier episode that the, the big church here in town is the church that was used in the Game of Thrones series. Now, I don't watch TV series generally. I didn't watch Game of Thrones but I know there are a ton of fans out there. So if you know the church in Game of Thrones, I'm staying just around the corner from that incredible, well, it's not even a church, it's a, it's a cathedral. Let's, let's face it, it is amazing. Anyway, it's been quiet. It's been good. So Linda's arriving in a couple of days here in Girona. We're off to see some of her family down on the coast. And, uh, and then my mum's going to arrive for a week. I'm going to show her around this, uh, this amazing town slash city, which I love. I love more so for the cycling than anything else, but it, look, it really is an incredible place and uh, feel very lucky to be here and to be able to share it with my family. Oh, there is one more thing I wanted to share with you before we close out this episode of the podcast. I mentioned at the very top of the show that I'm staying in a small Airbnb. Well, the other day, there was a big gust of wind that blew over a pot plant on the front balcony it's a little tiny balcony uh, and it broke the pot plant so what happened was the next day the mum and dad of the airbnb owner came along to have a look at the pot plant see if they can fix it it's a, it's a beautiful feature this pot plant and it's what uh, what the owner of the airbnb uses a photo of to show which is her apartment so it's pretty important to her Anyway, I let them in. We were chatting briefly and the mother, Nuria, asked a couple of questions. She was just being polite, asking about where I'm from, what I'm doing in Girona, if I'm enjoying it, that kind of thing. 
And I mentioned that my wife, Linda, is coming over in a couple of days. And she said, oh, if you're looking for a special way to treat her, a special night out, I have a small hotel type of business where you can sleep under the stars. And she left it at just that. And I mean, I had to ask some more questions. Anyone would when, when they say that. And I said, oh, is, is it a camping business, camping site? And that basically opened the door for her to tell me a little bit more about her business. And I thought that was a really cool way of doing things. I'm curious to know if you do this with your business. So she, she left me with that question. She left me with that statement, which led me to asking the question more about it. And when I said, is it a camping type arrangement? She said, no, no, no. We have bubble tents, which are totally clear. You have a full view of the stars but it's a luxury bubble tent with bath, air conditioning, full service in regards to meals. It really is something special. And then she handed me her business card to have a look at the website. Business cards are something that we don't really hear about these days so much in the photography community. I certainly don't anyway. In all the interviews that I'm doing, no one's mentioned giving out a business card these days. But I took the card And sure enough, as soon as they left, I went and Googled the website to have a look at it. And if you are interested, it's milestrells.com, M-I-L-E-S-T-R-E-L-L-E-S.com. I went and had a look, but her job was done. Like she planted the seed, got me asking some questions. So she wasn't doing a hard sell and gave me enough information to go and have a look for myself and and be blown away by her website once she had me intrigued enough to go and have a look. I think that was beautifully done it was very subtle it wasn't pushy but it had me thinking about oh wow maybe i could spoil linda with uh, with a night out over there it sounds amazing it looks amazing on the website what do you think about that approach is that something that you would do if someone asked you uh you know if you're out having a drink somewhere or you meet bump into someone and they ask what you do do you just automatically say i'm a newborn photographer or do you say something a little bit more cryptic so they ask you some more questions you know, maybe you say something like, I bring new families closer together with the images that I create. Well, what do you, what do you mean by that? So again, I don't know. I'm just throwing something out there. I guess a lot of people call this an elevator pitch. Do you have an elevator pitch? Do you say something a little bit more cryptic to have people ask you questions rather than you pushing what you do onto them? Now, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Shoot me an email if you do have any thoughts. It's andrew at photobizx.com. Or if you're a premium member, let's chat about it inside the members Facebook group. I'm honestly curious to hear what you do or how you get across what you do to someone if you want to let them know. Alrighty, that really is it for me for this episode of the podcast. I hope you are ready for an incredible week. I hope life is good. I hope business is profitable and you're excited about the future. Wherever you are in the world, stay safe, healthy, and well, and I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment, and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 